bits and pretzels inspire you. You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be. Servus everyone, I'm Britta Wedling, Editor-in-Chief of Bits and Pretzels and this is a new episode of the Bits and Pretzels podcast. Welcome to a show that might help you to calm your monkey mind in this always changing hyperactive world where we all have to deal with too much stress and economic uncertainties due to the current coronavirus circumstances. Today we are playing a conversation from our Bits and Pretzels networking week that I've had with Ariana Huffington, the co-founder of the Huffington Post, as well as the founder of behavioral change company Thrive Global, who is joining us from her home in Los Angeles. Since Ariana sold the Huffington Post to AOL for $300 million and started Thrive Global, the fearless entrepreneur is on a crusade to make people think critically about work-life balance. Her own wake-up call came in 2007, two years into building the Huffington Post, when she collapsed from burnout, exhaustion and having bought into what she calls the collective delusion that in order to be super founder and super mom, you just have to burn out. Today, she's convinced that the old model of just powering through in the end leads to failure in business and in life. And that specifically in a hyperactive world such as today, you have to practice more self-care as an entrepreneur in order to be successful in the long run. We need to realize that the human operating system is not a machine. That for the human operating system, downtime is not a bug. It's a feature. And when we don't get it, we are basically degrading the whole operating system, our decisions, plus our capacity to enjoy life and uh, to recognize there is something more to life than powering through in a state of burnout. Hello, Ariana Huffington. Great to be with you. How are you? Good. How are you? I see you drink your tea again. Your, your I'm famous tea? My coffee. Coffee. I love coffee. Great. It's it's obviously so great to talk to you. You were early in, you know, letting people think about creating a better work-life balance and the whole discussion kind of accelerated right now uh, in the current crisis. You know, what's your assessment here from your perspective um, out of LA? How is COVID-19 and the current pandemic redefining uh, the future of work? Well, what we're seeing, Brita, is that people are more stressed and anxious than they have been for a long time. And this is affecting productivity and performance as well as health. So at Thrive, our behavior change app, which is only for enterprise, is designed to help people make the changes in their lives through what we call micro steps, small daily incremental steps that mean that we can be more recharged, less stressed, and as a result, more productive. The key here, and I know we have tons of data-driven people in the audience, is to recognize that the old model of just powering through, burning out, is not conducive to success. Let's look at entrepreneurship. You know, more than three quarters of startups fail. And I think there is a correlation between bad decisions made uh, because of burnout and sleep deprivation and exhaustion and the failure of, of companies. So especially during a time of crisis, like the one we are going through, when we need to be our most innovative and creative selves, it's more important than never to tap 
into our own uh, resources of resilience, creativity, and wisdom. Uh, otherwise, it's very hard to deal with the growing uncertainty and rate of change that we are experiencing. Obviously, you had a long career, a very successful career in many different areas. Uh, you started a family, you had your own experiences with setbacks, uh, you had an injury that kind of made you rethink uh, the whole debate about working all the time and being worked up all the time. So, so talk about, you know, your personal approach in, in that regard, how you kind of figured that out for yourself to really create a change in your life, a necessary change in your case. Yeah, Britta, you're absolutely right. You know, my uh, own personal wake-up call came in 2007, two years into building the Huffington Post, when I collapsed from burnout, exhaustion, and having bought into the collective delusion that in order to be super founder and super mom, I just had to burn out. And uh, I, in fact, was diagnosed with burnout And uh, I started uh, addressing all these topics uh, at the Huffington Post. And by 2016, I decided I didn't just want to raise awareness. I wanted to help people make these small changes that really are game-changing. So in the app that we built, uh, we have four journeys, Brita. The first is Recharge, which is about our, how much sleep do we get? And as we know from the latest science, Sleep is not optional. Unless you have a genetic mutation, I'm sure there are some people in the audience who do and they don't need a lot of sleep. One to one and a half percent of the population does. The rest of us to be fully recharged and uh, fully creative need seven to nine hours. And part of that journey is also reset. Uh, we've built something I'm really excited about, um, which is a 60-second reset. That doesn't take a lot of time, but in between Zoom meetings, um, after a stressful piece of news, whatever it is, just take 60 seconds to reset. You know, focus on your breath, on what you are grateful for, anything that is an antidote for stress. The second journey is fuel. You know, what are we eating? How much are we moving? The third is connect. You know, how can we connect, especially during these times when we can't be in person with our colleagues, with ourselves? And the final is focus. You know, we are finding now that because of stress, because of anxiety, people have a hard time focusing. You know, Google searches for how do I get my brain to focus are up 300%. Right, right. yeah. So a lot of little tools and techniques to help with focus. Why is this so hard? I mean, I know like so many entrepreneurs and you know many entrepreneurs in your community who kind of work through the night, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing and then, you know, end up exhausted. Why is it so hard for us, you know, to change as human beings? Brita, I always love talking with you because you always ask the right question. That is the right question. Why is it so hard? Uh, when we have unqualified data, When we have role models like athletes who've recognized that recovery is part of peak performance, when we have incredibly successful business people, whether it's uh, Jeff Bezos or Satya Nadella from Microsoft saying that they sleep for eight hours because it improves their decision-making, yet why is it so hard? I think the question 
uh, that I wrote about actually in my books, Thrive and the Sleep Revolution, is a historical one. It's the fact that for decades, in fact, ever since the first industrial revolution, we have believed that we need to minimize downtime because that's the goal for machines. That's the goal for software, right? We we say, you know, this new piece of software from Salesforce or whoever has 99.999% uptime. Right. We need to realize that the human operating system is not a machine. That for the human operating system, downtime is not a bug. It's a feature. And when we don't get it, we are basically degrading the whole operating system, our decisions, plus our capacity to enjoy life and uh, to recognize there is something more to life than powering through in a state of burnout. Right. You talked about the fact that many female entrepreneurs have to be super in all the areas, right? You have to be super mom, super partner, super good looking, super successful. And I think this crisis kind of showed for many in the audience and many of my friends that it's like even harder for for women, um, you know, to deal with the current uncertainties. What's your advice there from your years-long experience in, in the business world? Well, actually, Britta, um, I just published a piece in Fast Company about five things that women need to do during this time. I'll just uh, mention a couple because that you're absolutely right. Women especially women who have young children, are at the moment carrying the majority of the load of maybe um, having children at home and having to teach them as well as having a full-time job. <clears throat> Plus the fact that women tend to carry the mental load of things at home, even when um, their partners are supportive so we have this great new uh, workshop um, that we've launched together with Eve Rodsky, who wrote a book called Fair Play, about how you, women need to treat their home like they treat their business. They can't wing it. They need to establish with their partners who is responsible for what. And the key here is responsibility means from conception to execution. It's not how can I help you, dear, is what can I own? Do you own lunch? Do you own um, teaching the children in the morning? Do you own holidays? Whatever. You need to even have a set of digital cards so they can divvy up. Interesting. Because we realize that if you just try to, uh, you know, we'll figure it out, you don't figure it out, and you end up being actually right. more resentful of your partner. Right. I, I love the piece that you wrote uh, when you turned 70 which you did um, uh, and you posted it on, on LinkedIn and it was a lot about how you forgive yourself, you know, for things that you thought about when you were younger, uh, things that you probably were too harsh on, you know, about yourself. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, many of us, you know, would do on a regular basis, like re being judgmental on, you know, our own achievements, being like very strict on ourselves, really pushing ourselves, which is on the one hand, obviously good because it pushes us to a bigger goal. On the other hand, it, you know, it keeps this pressure high. So so what did you learn looking back and what would you say to your own younger self about, you know, from your perspective right now? 
Oh, I learned so much. You know, I, I learned, first of all, um, that um, life is a combination of making it happen and letting it happen. It's like a dance. And uh, I think when I was younger, I thought I had to make every single thing happen. When I look back at my life, some of the best things that happened, I didn't make happen. I was just open. Can you give an example? Yes. You know, for example, when I decided, um, when my second book, you know, I wrote my first book at 24, my second, and it was a big success. My second book was rejected by 36 publishers. And uh, and I had run out of money. I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, it was a fluke that I turned out to be a writer. And uh, And then I just walked into a bank and asked for a loan. And the bank manager gave it to me. And it was crazy because I had no assets. He had no place giving me a loan. I still sent him a holiday card every year. And that, you know, allowed me to keep things together until I finally got my book published. But there are many, many moments in my life when it's like in fairy tales, Brita, when you have like uh, helpful animals that help the hero or the heroine get out of the dark forest. Well, in our own lives too, there are people um, who help us through, and we need to be open to that. And I find that that takes a lot of the struggle out. It moves us, as I said in the piece I wrote, from struggle to grace. And also to realize that life is long. There's so much we can do. We can have many acts. I mean, as long as we take care of ourselves. And that's why self-care is also important, because I have more energy than I had um, in my 20s because I know how to take care of myself more, how to work out, how to sleep, how to recharge. And so I launched Thrive Global at 66. I launched the Huffington Post at 55. I say to all the 20-somethings in the audience who think they have to get everything done before (laughs) they're 35. There is a, a long time and a lot we can do. Interesting. Um, And obviously, you're not only a spiritual person, somebody who thinks a lot about work-life balance, you also really made your stand in the business world, not only with the Huffington Post, but you were also an advisor to Uber, which kind of, you know, went through like a really cultural crisis, through an economic crisis. Talk about how you, like your business skills and, you know, what made you succeed in business and what could be helpful for entrepreneurs in the audience. Well, um, I was on the board of Uber during the crisis and I learned a lot about how uh, our human capital in any business is our most important resource. And if they are burnt out, it's going to affect business metrics. So now we've launched at Thrive um, a mental resilience dashboard for management, which gives management a resilience score of where their employees are and a risk of burnout score. This is an incredible piece of information for management to have, to be able to address problems before they become a crisis as they did become at Uber. And I feel um, as a leader, one of the most important things is to learn the distinction between what is truly urgent what is important and what you can delegate. If you don't know how to delegate, if you think you have to do everything, you are simply not going to be able to build a management team to scale. I mean, as every entrepreneur knows in the audience, scaling is the key thing. 
I mean, at Thrive now, we're scaling very quickly. We just signed a five-year contract to be the exclusive wellness um, provider for Walmart that has 2.2 million employees. We're building this mental resilience dashboard for JP Morgan, working with Accenture, Verizon, tons of multinational companies. I couldn't do that if I didn't have a great management team. Right. You know, if I thought I would do it by myself, but a lot of founders are living under this delusion that they're the heroes, they'll do everything. And I think the little key here for me was to realize I'll delegate this if it's done um, 60% as well as I would have done it, that's fine. That's the only way to scale. That's, I guess, hard for some people to 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 follow, but that's a good business advice. I want to come to a question from the audience because we want to make this interactive uh, here as well. And Charles McMillan wants to know, I struggle to find motivation and creativity at the moment with everything that is happening. Do you have a tip on how I can change that? Yes, uh, that's such a great question. So we need to realize that according to every philosophical and spiritual tradition, whether it's the Tao in China or the Stoics in Europe or Zen in Japan, we all have that place of creativity, wisdom, and joy in us. We just need to stop long enough, which may be just a few minutes, to connect with it. So if you start with a few simple micro steps that we recommend at Thrive. Like when you wake up in the morning, take 60 seconds before you go to your phone. 72% go straight to their phone. So take 60 seconds to focus on what you are grateful for or um, simply on your breath or your intention for what you achieved that day. And at the end of your day, set a cutoff point for consuming social media and coronavirus news. Because what happens is that people stay up all night consuming this news. They're too exhausted to even go to sleep because they're so wound up. And then when you wake up depleted, it's much harder to find your own source of creativity. Right. You obviously work with some of the leading companies in, in tech with Thrive Global, Walmart, Salesforce, Accenture, and, and Bank of America. How hard is it to change a culture of, of burnout, uh, you know, coming in from the outside? And what are like, I don't know, like the first two, three steps to move a company, an existing culture company towards the right goal? Well, Brita, that's what is so interesting. There are some companies uh, that are trailblazing. Um, and it often is either because of the, of the CEO or because of the CHRO, the head of human resources. Let me give you an example. Accenture has been a partner of Thrive's for four years, which is when we found when Thrive was founded. And we are constantly launching new things together. We launched a mental health program together with Stanford based on the latest brain research called Thriving Mind to all their 500,000 employees in eight languages ahead of coronavirus. Now everybody recognizes the mental health crisis. Other companies are now recognizing this need because of the pandemic. So ironically, the pandemic has become a catalyst for great changes in companies. Right, Because health and wellness that used to be in some companies uh, and nice to have, a box to check, are now 
primary. They are now central. And so we are finding that we are closing contracts that would have taken months in days because of the urgency. And that happens for, as you know, Brita, historically. You know, a crisis, as they say, is a terrible thing to waste. A crisis is also a catalyst for change. And that's what we're seeing. You know, and in these kinds of crises and changes and uncertainties, there's also like a very specific leadership needed. And you, you talked about like this thing that you have to delegate things, uh, maybe just focusing on 60% instead of 120%. Describe what kind of leadership people should look, look out to and what kind of leader is needed in, in this kind of situation. Well, the first thing, Brita, is that leaders need to model um how we need to be and act during this time. And that means putting your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. My own role model of leadership is Marcus Aurelius, who was the emperor of Rome and a Stoic philosopher. He was emperor for 19 years, 14 of which he had to deal with a terrible plague. But he was able to remain unflappable in the eye of the hurricane and from that place make decisions. That is the first quality of leadership. How can you stay connected to what matters, not be reactive, be creative? And if you recognize that's the first quality of leadership, you realize that taking care of yourself, doing the few things that mean you'll be showing up at your best, is not self-indulgent. It's an essential leadership quality. Right. I mean, on the one hand, you have to be transparent about the situation of your company, right? You have to be honest and authentic and transparent about, you know, there are probably some problems in, in your company, a uh, difficult situation ahead. On the other hand, you have to motivate people, you know, to take people with you into a better future. How do I balance this level of authenticity on the one hand and being like a motivational leader on the other hand? Well, the first thing is um, what at Thrive we call compassionate directness. You need to be direct. If, if, um, if you are not direct in a compassionate way, you lose the trust of your employees. And that's, that's really the worst thing that can happen in a company, losing trust. Um, beyond that, um, we, we recognize that... Uh, You need to hire people who are mission aligned. You need to hire people who care about your mission. If they don't care about your mission, they're not going to be with you if, if there are hard times. I mean, I think that's very important for us at Thrive. We only hire people who really want to change the world in terms of how we behave and in terms of how we show up at work and make that connection between well-being and performance and recognize that You know, right now our behaviors are killing us, literally. I mean, people who refuse to wear masks, people who um, have chronic conditions because of what they eat or how little they move or how they don't sleep are much mm. more susceptible to being infected. Mm. We see kind of a perfect storm of the accumulation of uh, uh, of suboptimal behaviors. Right. You know, to probably end this conversation on a positive note, what can we do all together to probably, you know, release some stress right now? What are like three, like a one quick win that we can do 
right now, like right now? Well, right now, I would like everybody in the audience and you and me, Brita, to think of three things we are grateful for. Gratitude is the greatest antidote to stress. And the truth is, no matter how much we are going through in our lives that's hard and painful, there are things that we are grateful for. There are things that bring us joy. So, Brita, why don't you tell us three things that bring you joy, three things you are grateful for? Interaction with people, like getting all this positive vibe from entrepreneurs. My family, obviously, who is supporting me and also like the whole team here, Uh, at Bits and Pretzels, looking at what we've created together? So for me, um, number one, my oldest daughter uh, got married. Oh, great. And I posted on my Instagram um, a video from when she was four years old, when she's asking her dad, when will I get married? And the answer was today. And that's a real joy trigger for me. Um I, the second thing I'm grateful for is this conversation with you, Brit. I've always loved our conversations. I think you are very special and I think you are making a big difference in this uh, world of, of burnt out entrepreneurs. And the third thing is my bulletproof coffee. I love it. It's a joy trigger every morning. So little things, big things. When we think of what we're grateful for, we literally change the neural pathways of the brain, the best and easiest antidote to stress and anxiety. Great. And, you know, since we are running out of time, I just wanted to say thank you uh, a lot. And hopefully, you know, you can come and join us in, in Munich here. Um, I don't know if you have any Bavarian attire uh, in your... I do, I do, I do, absolutely. You know, we launched the Huffington Post with Berda in Munich and I was in full-blown Bavarian attire. I'll, I'll wear it and come. And in the meantime, um, subscribe to my newsletter, thriveglobal.com slash Ariana, and you'll be reading what I'm thinking about. And we are happy to send you another dirndl as well, obviously. Thank you so much, Ariana. It's always Thank great you. to talk to you. Uh, and have a great rest of your day. Um, and hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. All right, that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new episode again. You'll find us on Spotify, Apple or wherever you're listening. See you next week.